From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. It was called Miracle at Lords. The Indian cricket team was such underdogs in the 1983 World Cup campaign that David Firth, editor of the Wisden Cricket Monthly, when analyzing the prospects of all teams, said he would eat his words if India ever won the tournament. Three months later, the September 1983 edition of the magazine carried a photograph of David Firth eating a piece of paper with the caption, India made me eat my words. This story of an underdog team overcoming incomparable odds to beat Clive Lloyd's formidable West Indians is now a major motion picture scheduled for release later this month. The director of 83, Kabir Khan, speaks about the challenges of bringing to life a story that many Indians have closely held memories of, about recreating Kapil's famous 175-run knock against Zimbabwe, and how even cricket stories must carry a political undertow. Kabir, you must have been a young teenager when the 83 World Cup happened. Did you watch the India versus West Indies final? And if so, what are your memories of that June night? So, you know, my memories of that day, um, there are some parts that are very hazy and there are some parts that are very distinct in my mind. Uh, 23rd June is my sister's birthday and I remember we celebrated it in my um, um, aunt's house in Bombay and then we left for uh, Hyderabad and I think we reached Hyderabad in the morning of that fateful day, 25th June 1983. And my memory of watching the match is a little hazy, uh, but the memory of me wondering why have people gone mad is very clear. Like I was wondering why are... Hmm. You know, grown-up men crying. Why are they shrieking and shouting and running on the roads? Why are people dancing on the road? And why are fireworks going on? That's a very distinct memory. Uh, and 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 now all all you know all these years later, I'm trying to recreate that madness actually to to and to all probably make uh, all of us feel that same madness and euphoria that uh, you know I had seen as a child uh, in '83. India, of course, has gone on to win another World Cup after 83 and a few other white ball cricket championships. Was it the David versus Goliath aspect or were there other aspects that fascinated you about 83 that you wanted to make a film on this? So, of course, the David versus Goliath uh, aspect is is definitely there, right? Because they're the classic underdogs. And see, none of the... I, I mean, not taking away from any of the... Um, victories that India have had but no victory would resonate the way 1983 will resonate simply because it's it's a classic underdog story right after that they have been the world champions so like in fact in 2011 uh, the fact of the matter is that they went in as champions in home territory right so uh, uh, obviously the story can never be the same it's like in the last football world cup you know France won the uh, the world cup it's not a story had Croatia won that's the story 
Um, so similarly here, of course, one is the fact that this is the the most underrated team in the world landing up in London with nobody giving them a hope in hell. Every newspaper in London writing the fact that you know India should not even be invited. Um, they bring down the level of the World Cup. Uh, senior journalists like David Frith writing that if India wins, I shall eat the paper this article is printed on. Uh, that's what they went up against. Highest odds, one is to sixty-six. Uh, had never won a single match in the history of the World Cup except one match against East Africa, which, as Shrikant says, was not even a country. Um, up against West Indies, who in the history of the World Cup had never lost a single match. Forget the fact that they picked up the the, the cup twice. They never yes. lost a single match. So that is what fascinated me. The human story of this bunch of boys who land up over there against all odds with this one 24-year-old captain who says, we will win. And the whole team is laughing at him saying, Aagya ek or naya kaptan. we will win, we will win. How the hell will we win? So, it's the human story. It's not the cricket for me. You know, uh, uh, I looked at it and I said, okay, I'll never let the cricket sway me. I need to see what's the human story. And I often say this, a sports film is never about sport. It's about the triumph of the human spirit. You can replace cricket with kabaddi. The story should stand. Hmm. Uh, of course, the fact that it's cricket makes it all the more glorious for us. Uh, but ultimately, it has to be the human story and people will come in to watch the human story, not the cricket. Cricket is the icing on the on the cake. The problem with making a film on, on cricket or something like 83, there are millions of us who have our own individual memories, right? Everybody sees it from a very personal prism. What were the big challenges when you were mounting this film? And especially since most of the cricketers, including the majority of the Indian team and also the some of the foreign cricketers, everyone's alive. So what were the things that you were very, very mindful of? So the first challenge, of course, is exactly what you said. Okay, How are you going to recreate a moment that is so iconic that almost every single person in this country above the age of 44, 45 knows almost every detail about, right? Uh, they know how Kapil Dev bowls, how he bats, Roger Bini, Madhulal. Everybody remembers that moment. And how do you recreate that? So, of course, then there's the whole, you know, two-year research period that went into it. It's where all my documentary training came to my assistance and I really did a deep dive into, into the research because it, it's, you know, uh, in spite of the fact that everybody remembers this, there's nothing archived about it. That's the problem in our country, right? We don't archive. Uh, I speak to journalists who had covered and asked them for copies of their articles and they don't have them. I go to the publications which had published these articles, they don't have them. I finally go to Lord's Archives in London and I find every article written by every Indian journalist on 83 over there. That's so you know? good luck, yeah. Yeah. So, um, one was, of course, that. Then the articles are not enough because the articles don't tend to be a little just focused on the game, right? For me, I can't be focused on the game. As I said, for me, it's the atmosphere. It's what was happening. How was the... How is London being moved by what's happening with this underdog team? How is India being moved by this underdog team? How is everybody, every person from the Indian diaspora, in fact, the South Asian diaspora, getting moved? How are their lives getting affected by the by the Indian team advancing into the tournament? So for that, then you have to start doing primary research. It was also a very different diaspora, right, from today. Like today, very there's different. a lot of self-confidence. So, you know, in, in, I'm promoting 83 and it would be the obvious answer for me to give that, you know, it started with 83, but generally did. You know, Meenal, I, I spoke to people and they, they said it just changed our lives. So you have to also remember the early 80s, right? The early 80s were very tumultuous in terms of the race relations uh, between the Asians and, 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 and the white folk in, in England. So uh, for them, they said that, you know, we, we, we felt like second-class citizens. 
because there's a there's a whole sort of scene even in the trailer that man says they felt always that on on a back foot and there's this you know I met this very senior uh, barrister uh, uh, of Indian origin and he was in school uh, when 83 happened and he said a very lovely thing to me he said you know I was I, I was from an affluent family a privileged family I went to a very good public school uh, in England. But he said, I was just one of the boys, one of the boys sitting at the back of the class. And um, he said, for the first time when I went back to school after the 26th of June, 1983, these English boys came to me with stars in their eyes and said, hey, aren't you an Indian? And he said, I felt so cool to be an Indian because Kapil had just lifted that cup on the balcony of the Lords. He said that suddenly it was cool to be an Indian in London. Uh, people looked up at you as the world champions. Like Shrikan said, you know, we went out onto the streets and said, hey man, we're the world champions. Um, and that's what the film really is, is also about, Bill. It's not the story of just a team. It's actually the story of the coming of age of a, of a nation. Uh, it is one of the most significant uh, achievements on the international arena post-independence. There's a, there's, a, there's a dialogue in the trailer which pretty much sums it up for me and sums it up in the film where the, the manager, Man Singh, looks at Kapil Dev after a, 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 a one sort of a unpleasant experience that he's had. He says that, And that's what you know the film, in a certain sense, um, underlines, that how Kapil and his men really made us proud uh, of their achievements. And and it's not only restricted to, you know, I think an Indian. I think it was an underdog story. And I think everybody in the world uh, roots for an underdog. You know, after mm. some point when you're watching a sports film, you're not rooting for that country alone. You know, when I watch uh, Pele, uh, when Brazil goes in as underdogs into the World Cup, I'm not really rooting for Brazil, right? For me, it's, a, it's such a lovely underdog story of, of people fighting against and struggling against all the odds. And that's what I think 83 is. And that's why I think it'll resonate across the world. You're talking about Kapil Dev and of course you, you would have spent a lot of time with him and with the team. Give us a sense of Kapil Dev because he was, in 83, he was also a very unknown uh, quality when he, he was just 24. Give us a sense of, of him and also his relationship with his teammates. So it's very difficult for me to speak about Kapil Dev because, you know, I am a bit of a fanboy. And I must say that I've become more of a fanboy from the time I started interacting with him more and more over the course of these last three years. It's incredible that man's attitude, the way he has, uh, the way he held the team together in 83 and led from the front, led by example, to the way he holds the team now. They still have a WhatsApp group called Champions Forever, uh, in which they, they, you know, share jokes, they discuss matters pertaining to each other, help out each other. And here's a very interesting fact, which people uh, get very surprised when I tell them. The team, 83, has still not seen the film, 83. Because Kapil Dev has told them that we will all sit together as a team and watch it at the premiere. In Jeddah, in fact, at the Red Sea Film Festival, we did all the, you know, introductions and we went on stage and welcomed everybody, did our little speeches and we came back and the film started. And the moment the film started, Kapil Dev got up and looked at Jimmy Amarnath captain and vice-captain get up and they troop out of the theatre because they don't want to watch it without their team. Uh, so that's, that really tells you what Kapil Dev was all about. He really uh, led by example. Even today, when you see the 83 together and they talk about him, you get a clear sense of what, how much respect they have for him. Even now, they, they keep reiterating the fact that 
nobody but him had the belief we used to laugh at him shrikant says i used to call him an idiot he said bilkul idiot ho gaya hamara captain bolega hum jeetega but he said you know the man had that belief and then what he did in tunbridge wells the match that nobody has ever seen and that's really i'm proud of that for the first time ever uh, we are all going to be watching tunbridge wells uh, being reenacted in my film in one interview gavaskar had uh, was talking about it and uh, the 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 person interviewing him said you know what about that that innings at tunbridge wells that kapil dev did and gavaskar said yeah of course it was a game changing knock and you know the interviewer said of course it was game changing you guys were 9 for 4 when you walked in he completely changed the game and gavaskar said no you're not understanding me i didn't mean he changed that game he changed the game of cricket forever after that that's coming from gavaskar one coming of the coming from le- gavaskar that's big <laughs> yeah when he was talking to you while you were prepping for the film what was the one thing that he might have told you which kind of stayed with you the first thing he told me when he met me uh, after we had you know gotten into the thing uh, that's the very first line he said kabir i hope the film is not about me and it's about team 1983 uh, and i said absolutely sir it's not your biopic it's about 25 days in june 1983 and i'm going to try my best to you know discover all aspects of what happened over there and that line you know stayed with me where he he came and the, his first thought was you know he knows he's a superstar today when we going on marketing with him i mean i've landed in uh, dubai every eye on the airport is on him i landed in cochin every eye in the airport is on him he's a rock star he walks and he's just he's a he's he's really a superstar but he's so secure i think in his stardom and he's so selfless in that sense he's always always looking out for uh, his team He's always trying to see oh, how can my team benefit from this. You know what will happen to the team? Okay, can I take these people for this interview? I mean, that is something amazing. Where even after thirty-nine years, he's no longer their captain officially, right? But he's still the captain. Of course, he's a big star. But why did you think Ranveer Singh was the right person to play Kapil? This is a question that people have asked me a lot, and and I say that this is it's a director's instinct. You know, when we are casting, it is at some level. So so firstly, I mean, one of the first things I told Ranveer was. it's not a look alike context so beyond a point don't try and look like kapil dev because if you take him feature by feature he does not look like kapil dev and today i know the world is going gaga over the fact that oh my god ranveer singh is looking you know the embodiment of kapil dev but you know i still say it's not because of what we've done with the makeup and the hair it's because of the way he has captured the expressions the way he has captured his way of speaking the way he has captured the persona and that's what counts you know it's not the looks it's the expressions that make all the difference and that's what ranveer has done i mean mm. all credit to him despite mm. me saying that we don't have to come so close he has come so close that some of that kirti has told me when i saw the trailer and i saw that profile shot of kapil saying what as we here for he said for a moment i thought you got some archival footage that i have not seen of kapil did and that's coming from his team member yeah. and i'm so glad ranveer was my first choice and ranveer you know immediately said yes i mean i guess who will say no to playing kapil dev in this country yeah. uh, but having said that he also when he discovered the story when i told him the story because you know he's also born post 83 uh, ranveer is born in 1985 yes. so when i said kapil dev he imagined yeah superstar you know cricketer swashbuckling swag then i said no wait a minute the story is not that the story is about you know this is what happened with them and he was shocked he was literally shocked that that's their struggle um but he's done a fabulous job i mean and i can't count too many actors who would you know play cricket for 5 months at the peak of their career who would take off 5 months play cricket for 4 to 5 hours a day it's not easy you know uh, uh to to bowl like kapil dev to bat like kapil dev i mean there's a reason why there's never been a kapil dev after kapil dev right because there's a certain way he bowls a certain yeah. style that he has mm-hmm. it's not easy to 
to be able to uh, replicate that the cricket journalist pradeep magazine whom we recently interviewed on the podcast he suggested that the 80s and 90s were such a turbulent time for india politically of course and especially in punjab and yet invariably there'd be some match going on to suggest or signal kind of normalcy but everything after all is political uh cricket too does some of that seep into your film it absolutely does because i mean the fact of the matter is that yes there is uh, as you said there's politics in everything and for me you know despite the fact that uh, they were living through tumultuous times i i can that's a relative term i you know tumultuous times is 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 we don't know whether those are tumultuous times or these are tumultuous times but the fact of the matter is what is 83 what is team 83 ultimately if you just bring it down to its basic what is team 83 tell me right it tells me when a bunch of uh cricketers come together uh without bothering about which religion do they belong to they come from every religion which state they come from which community to come from what they eat what they wear they don't bother about all that they just bother about playing for the country this is what happens when they don't about they don't bother about things like that they come together and win the world cup and that's in a certain sense the lesson of 83 right uh, if if you all come together without bothering about all these little trivial issues mm. you're always bound to succeed and in a in a certain sense that should be the takeaway from 1983 you have of course been a successful documentary filmmaker before you moved to bollywood uh but you know we are now in a period where everyone is chasing non fiction stories you yourself are going on to direct something on the ic814 hijacking i read somewhere uh but this also the process of historical revisionism that's going on as someone who's worked on documentaries and knows what it is how do you see this trend um i am a little uncomfortable with it i am a history buff i love the fact that people are picking up more and more stories from uh, real life uh, i'm 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 loving the fact that you know i always used to wonder why can't we like hollywood pick up things from our contemporary history and you know make these wonderful stories i'm sure we have many more than the americans do uh but i'm really glad that now that is happening uh yes of course whenever sort of you look at true stories and everybody is also coming with their their interpretation of of it i have no issues with with interpretations as long as they're backed by facts you know uh, i once sometimes you get uncomfortable by by distortions of history that are just an opinion and it doesn't it's not really backed by facts or isn't backed by research or isn't backed by something that you can refer to uh and that makes me uncomfortable uh i'm not saying that everything has to fit into my point of view everybody is is open to their point of view but, but if i'm putting for example in 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 1983 if i'm putting forward a certain point of view i can say with confidence it's back to the lot of research uh, you know i'm just not shooting my mouth off about things if i'm showing a scene there is some evidence of that scene yes of course we all take creative liberties i've also taken creative liberties but there is some there's a starting point where you have to base it in reality uh, some uh, you, you there are some you know narratives that are coming forward that there is absolutely no basis in narrative it just seems to be a point of view and it being pushed down and unfortunately because mainstream cinema is such a powerful medium uh, a lot of people think that yes that is the way it happened and that, that's very damaging i think to us as a society as you said mainstream medium is a very powerful medium and that's where the also the battle to control mainstream media and and it's been going on for a long time i mean cinema to control cinema uh how do you personally uh respond to that i personally respond to it by giving the counterpoint in my films 
that's the only thing that I can do, right? If there's a point coming that I'm not comfortable with, the only way I can do, and that's my responsibility as a mainstream filmmaker, a relatively successful mainstream filmmaker, is put the counterpoint across. And 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 then let's just see, you know, who the audience agrees with more. Uh, and it has happened in my career, uh, happily, that sometimes my counterpoint has been put forward and people have loved it and people have gone with it and agreed with it and celebrated it. And that sometimes makes you feel good. Okay, at least I was able to, in a very small way, put across some counterpoint to it. And as long as there are enough people, you know, uh, being able to sort of give their uh, sort of various points of views and the audience is seeing them, then there's a debate. Let there be a debate. But it gets it gets uncomfortable when there's only one point of view that gets overbearingly pushed down uh, in, in mainstream cinema. So as, as a filmmaker, all I can say is that all I can do is, is push back with my counterpoint. You are working for both OTTs and and cinema. How do you see uh, entertainment kind of moving forward if we have to especially live with COVID? How do you see the entertainment uh, in India films? So for me, an OTT or the big screen, these are just medium. You know, at the end of the day, whatever we are storytellers, right? We have so with OTTs, we have another medium to tell a story on. So I have never ever agreed with this whole narrative of. OTT versus cinema. There is no versus. These are just different mediums. And and we will continue to tell stories. Some will be watched on OTTs and some will be watched on the big screen. 83 is something that I want people to watch on the big screen. I've designed it for the big screen. There might be other stories where I feel, no, this is fine for, for, uh, for OTTs and I'll do it on OTT. Maybe this story is better for OTT. And I do feel that. There are some stories that are better for OTT where you need a longer form to tell a certain story, uh, uh, you know, you need uh, the time to be able to develop certain characters and, and plot points um, versus a story where I feel, no, this is a spectacle. I want people to enjoy it on this large screen. So I think it's just they're different avenues and uh, they can both coexist and they are coexisting everywhere. You know, I think just too much is being made. I guess it was because of the lockdown where they were pitted against each other that either one will survive. No, they have, we have, we have there are examples all over the world. Uh, look at South Korea, the most powerful OTTs in the world, the best broadband penetration in the world. You can pr- pretty much get broadband sitting on the street over there, right? And they have the most powerful OTT platform then and content with the whole world is wrapping up now. Squid Games has shown us that. But along with all that, there's one more fact. Highest theater-going population in the world, per capita, per, uh, you know, theater-going population in the world. So and they're winning it, Oscars. Exactly. So I'm saying it shows that, uh, see, there's something about community viewing that will never go away. There's something about sitting in a darkened room with 500 people and enjoying a, a story which can never be replaced by OTT. I'm not taking anything away from OTT. OTT has, gives you your own sort of comfort, sit in your bedroom, watch it at whenever you want to watch it. Um, that's a thrill. But there's also a thrill of watching a film with 500 people, enjoying a story, clapping, cheering, laughing, crying with everybody, which can never be replicated by any other experience. Today's episode is produced by Jairad Singh and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at toipodcasts at timesinternet.in.